are listening to Wiley Connected, a series of podcasts on tech, law, and policy. In each podcast, technology-focused lawyers at Wiley Ryan, a Washington, D.C. law firm, break down innovation in law with a uniquely D.C. perspective. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wiley Connected podcast. I'm Matt Gardner. And I'm Megan Brown. And we're with Wiley Ryan Cybersecurity Practice. So, Megan, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the Department of Homeland Security's big cybersecurity summit in New York City and its impact on the tech sector, particularly the focus on connectivity and how that presents a unique challenge for American industry. Great. So help set the stage. Who is here? So it happened on July 31st, a Tuesday, up in Manhattan. Um, it was a lot of CEOs, general counsel of some major household name companies, AT&T, MasterCard, Southern Company, the big energy company, Verizon, as well as a bunch of security folks from McAfee, Palo Alto, FedEx, BP, to all talk about um, some of the new government priorities with respect to cybersecurity. Um, Kirsten Nielsen, the Secretary of Homeland Security, organized the whole thing with Chris Krebs, and they had with them as well Secretary of Energy Rick Perry, the head of Cyber Command, and numerous DHS officials, as well as Vice President Pence came at the end and gave a speech. So really strong representation, both from leaders throughout private industry, especially uh, critical infrastructure, telecom, financial sector, and energy sector, uh, as well as from the government. I, I thought being there, just seeing everyone from these different groups on stage together and showing a shared commitment to cybersecurity was really important. And I think that was what Secretary Nielsen really wanted to get out of this was, you know, for years, our cybersecurity policy has been built on public-private partnerships and collaboration with the private sector. And this was the first time they had really gotten everyone together in a public way to make that commitment. Um, I thought it was really great to see because instead of regulation, you have companies stepping up to do what they need to do and help the government and really collaborate meaningfully. So it looked to me like they thought it was a great big success yesterday. Um, We'll see what comes out of it next. So what were some of the key takeaways? What did they do to help foster this collaboration? Well, they announced a couple things that I thought were interesting, and industry is still sort of trying to puzzle through what it really means in a practical way. They announced a new center called the National Risk Management Center, which um, is not going to supplant a bunch of the existing activities at DHS, but it's intended to allow different sectors of the economy to come together and work on identifying what they kept referring to as systemic risks. And that's why you had Southern Company, AT&T, and MasterCard at one of the big plenary sessions was they're working on the risks that apply across industries, right? The connectivity between telecom, finance, and energy is what they're going with first. Um, And they talked a lot about partnerships reaffirming that that's sort of the key way we're going to tackle this because it's too difficult a problem to regulate away and you really need people to be working together. And then another takeaway I had was, you know, sometimes the feds are criticized for not having a single point of contact for cyber. I'm not sure that the National Risk Management Center is going to be that single point for operational cyber across the country, but it does show a recognition that there needs to be a focusing of efforts here. It was tough to tell, uh, and I guess we'll see how this plays out, is the National Risk Management Center, the NRMC, is is this going to be just another layer on top of what's existing there, or is it really going to be something that centralizes a lot of places for industry to kind of have one-stop shopping within DHS um, as cyber they're getting prepared for and responding to cyber incidents? 
That's actually the big question, Matt, is how is this going to fit with some of the other things DHS is doing? Vice President Pence, in his remarks, called for the Senate to pass legislation to restructure and rename some of the functions to make them more clearly about protecting critical infrastructure. So I don't think this is going to make any of those things go away, um, including the places where you and I take clients when they have vulnerabilities. Th- those things are still going to be there. I'm thinking this will end up being more like a think tank and more of a almost a fusion center for these big industries to come together and collaborate. So NPPD, U.S. CERT, NCIC, these things are all still going to exist. Um, this is going to be something in addition to and on top of those. Yeah. One thing that struck me being at the event was the tone throughout, especially from uh, the Secretary Nielsen and others within government. Um, cyber events are it's common as we've been to many of these where someone talks about the risk and they describe, hey, we have all very serious threat actors, nation states are after us. Um, a lot of uh, sometimes uh, scary language around all of this. Um, that's fairly common. But I thought the tone here was was different and even more urgent than normal. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was really notable, the rhetoric they used. Um, We'll go to a clip now and listen to Secretary Nielsen. Our digital enemies are taking advantage of all of us. They are exploiting our open society to steal, to manipulate, to intimidate, to coerce, to disrupt, and to undermine. They are using our interconnectedness to attack us. But let's use the fact that we are all connected to our advantage. And as I noted at the beginning, we are in a crisis mode. The Cat 5 hurricane has been forecast. And now we must prepare. The vice president also spoke in very dramatic language about the threats we face. They were hitting a few buttons in terms of um, discouraging meddling in our democracy and some of the election stuff that's going on, which is not really our focus today. But they repeatedly referred to red lights blinking for a major cyber attack, crisis mode. um, And it, it definitely seemed like the rhetoric was ratcheted up from the government in a more unified way than than I had heard. Uh, one piece that struck me with that was Secretary Nielsen, and we're standing very close to ground zero, mentioning that DHS was created to prevent another attack like September 11th, and that she felt that now Americans were more at risk from cyber threats than physical threats. Yeah, and I think part of that was to do a little scared straight with the private sector. Over the past few months, when I've been in, in discussions with DHS and others in government that do cyber, there seems to be occasionally a growing impatience about demonstrable results from the private sector or problems that persist, right? Concerns were raised yesterday about the Internet of Things, about different aspects of emerging technology and whether security is being adequately dealt with in them. So I think part of the rhetoric was to continue that pressure on the private sector that, hey, this is something you have to take seriously and we're doing our part as the government. But you heard over and over again, we can't do this by ourselves. And I think there is a focus on accountability in the private sector that all of technology innovators have to be aware of, that this is on the minds of the government. And if something goes wrong, I think they are going to come and be asking some tough questions about, did you take advantage of the things that we've put in place, like information sharing and other tools? I think that's right. Uh, Part of what you mentioned earlier was that these partnerships between government and the private sector are designed to reject regulation in the cybersecurity space. But that is not letting private industry off the hook at all. The government officials made it very clear that while they were felt like they had a need to step up their game with sharing information. Um, they also 
put, we're going to put an ex, a lot of responsibility on the private sector to step up as well. But I do think overall it's a good story that industry can and should be telling. Um, the CEO of Southern Company spoke about this. Kirsten, one, one other thing is really important here, and I think it's, it's so valuable what you're doing today. So many times in America, and as I find it, I, I talk to folks, people are losing confidence in institutions of government, people that run them and all that stuff. And people are getting cynical. This is a way where we can teach Americans that, in fact, the administration is working and Congress and everything else are working with private industry to make America better. It is a way to lean in and play offense. I think people are thirsting for those stories. And he was making the point that the private sector is already working effectively with the government and that we probably need to expand those partnerships and maybe be more proactive and creative about what we're doing to loop in some of the, you know, the smaller groups that are within these industries that are so critical to the national security, but also smaller players in the tech sector that can benefit from a lot of these tools that are out there. That's exactly right. And I think that's another one of the points we heard throughout the day. Uh, For instance, the chief scientist at McAfee made a very similar point that private sector um, is already in the process of developing a lot of the tools that we need. Here's what he had to say. There's a lot of great work going on. You know, you look at what HackerOne are doing or Amazon or McAfee, you know, all of these industries, all of these parties are doing great work. And sometimes they seem sometimes can be disconnected. And so I think if we began to do more public-private partnerships together to identify where, where there is duplication, where we can pull resources, that for me is going to be imperative because, like you said, you know, we've all got limited resources. How can we better utilize them as an industry rather than you know, in specific sectors? So one thing that was really interesting about the, the summit was it was very positive. People were very enthusiastic about c- coming together with the government to partner on these really challenging issues, which are important to um, global competitiveness and our economy and all of that. But there wasn't a lot of discussion, and I, you know, we don't want to rain on the parade. There wasn't a lot of discussion about the barriers that exist to inf- information sharing, intelligence sharing, and collaboration. Matt, I'm curious what your takeaway is on some of that. I agreed. I mean, the one positive thing that both sides were saying was that we need to adopt a collective defense posture and share threats better in real time with more context. Um, As you and I have seen working with clients, um, that's not often easy for clients to do with respect to the federal government. Uh, CISA, the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act of 2015, definitely helped with respect to that. Um, It is much easier to share cyber threat indicators um, and defensive measures with uh, with the federal government and uh, others in the private sector. We still have clients, though, who are concerned about other agencies and the difficulties of meeting their expectations, which is not always totally clear, whether it's the Federal Trade Commission's reasonableness standard or the Securities and Exchange Commission's guidance about what to disclose and when about cyber breaches and risks and risk management. Then you always have the threat of state attorney general oversight. Um, I did find it interesting. I participated in one of the panels with the general counsel of Verizon and um, Tom McDermott from the Department of Homeland Security. And we had a really interesting discussion about balkanization across international lines, across federal systems and agencies, and then domestically within the United States when you have states that are trying to regulate the internet as well. And this is sort of a a systemic threat, I think, to the private sector in terms of how they're going to deal with cyber is this, this concern that you might have many, many 
points of contact and lots of different regulations that pop up that you're trying to meet, but there's not one place to look to say, you know, is what I'm doing reasonable? And I see that as a challenge for a lot of our tech sector clients. I I agree. I thought the discussion on your panel was really interesting on that point. Uh, A lot of people have noted that the jurisdictions and legal requirements between, say, the United States, Russia, and China are obviously going to place inconsistent requirements on international companies. The Cloud Act was passed in part to try and address pieces of that. Um, But that's just going to be a very challenging uh, puzzle to solve uh, in, in in the short term. What was interesting on your panel, though, were the next two levels of balkanization and potentially in conflicting legal requirements for companies, um, the state laws, and then within the federal government. It is a job in and of itself to just look through all the federal agencies and their best practices, recommendations, uh, soft regulation that we're hearing, and try to figure out um, how to uh, merge all of that in a coherent way. I totally agree, Matt. I think one of the nice takeaways, though, is the folks at the Department of Homeland Security understand that and are working to raise awareness throughout the federal government about the need to reduce overlap and balkanization and too many efforts. I mean, one of the things we see is there's just so many places that are addressing cyber right now. It can be hard for a company to know where to look. And DHS gets that and I think sees itself as stepping into that leadership role, particularly now where, you know, there's not a cyber czar at the White House right now and others are looking for some agency to take lead. And DHS makes a lot of sense because they're not really a regulator. They're not going to come and hit you with an enforcement action or yell at you. Uh, But that was another theme that popped up is uh, flowing from these partnerships. There needs to be the recognition that companies are doing um, their level best and, um, you know, not re-victimize them by screaming at them when something goes wrong. I heard a couple of panelists address that. And I think that speaks to the mentality that some in government at DHS get right now, which is we're all on the same team here fighting against some pretty hostile adversaries that are looking to disrupt our economy and our systems of government. This isn't a time to sort of have a circular firing squad among U.S. industry. We all need to be pushing in the same direction. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, several people from the private sector recognized that and said, hey, look, we're trying to run our business. And at the same time, we're being attacked by very sophisticated nation states um, that are causing us very real damage. And if you were, if these were kinetic attacks that were causing physical damage, it would be akin to an act of war. And what would the response from government be there? And why should it be different here? Um, And how uh, that feels inconsistent with some efforts uh, outside of DHS and the federal government to, to, as you said, re-victimize companies after an incident. I did like the rhetoric that they had about protecting American businesses and that we're no longer going to take lying down some of these attacks on U.S. corporations. You know, we'll see how that plays out in the real world. But I thought the rhetoric was a welcome change to say, you know, these are criminal acts by nation states against U.S. businesses that hurt America's economy and individual citizens' uh, privacy and could be worse if you get to kinetic and other sort of disruptive attacks. Um, One other Um, challenge that I think DHS is stepping up to that was clear to me from this summit is internationally. The international challenges that tech companies face as 
China pursues its cybersecurity law, the European Union, um, not just the, the GDPR privacy stuff, but on Internet of Things regulation. There's a whole emerging set of uh, challenges to multinational corporations when it comes to cybersecurity. And I did appreciate that the Department of Homeland Security seemed to get that and is working with companies to try and champion our values abroad. So one thing uh, as we move from this uh, is a question of who should be participating with the National Risk Management Center as it gets stood up here in the near future and on what level. Uh, Megan, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's exactly the right next question, Matt, as folks look towards what comes after this summit. Um, There's certainly um, hard questions for American companies about whether and how to engage with the federal government um, but the uh, one big takeaway from the security experts that were up there from companies like FedEx and BP was you don't want to be calling the federal government on the worst day, on the day you you find out that there's uh, nation state malware in your system or the day you realize that your new product has a critical vulnerability that's going to be very difficult for you to patch. So my recommendation to folks is to engage early and often. It might not be through the NRMC. It might be through some of the other DHS um, information sharing venues. It could also be participating in some of the many other activities on cyber that are going on at the Federal Trade Commission, at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. There's a ton of different ways to to get in there and help shape policy and what the government's thinking. But I do think companies need to be aware that they are likely at some point to have some security event. And at that point, they will need to consider whether and how to engage the government. And it's often best to do that based on a relationship of trust that you've built over time before the worst has happened. Uh, And that certainly is going to be true, uh, more true for companies that are in the critical infrastructure space. Um, In particular, the uh, National Risk Management Center is going to be focused on initially on telecommunications, financial and energy sectors um, with the idea that it will expand to the rest of critical infrastructure um, over time. I think one thing to add, just so that we're not too much of a cheerleader for the government, is you know, there are concerns when a company is going to go interact with the government. And so it's not a cavalier decision to pick up the phone and call the government or to engage in this. I'm heartened by the rhetoric that we heard, but there is still more to do to give companies security that the information they're sharing is going to be safe. There are constructs that can be used, but they're somewhat complicated. And then we we do go back to that fundamental question we talked earlier about how do you change the culture of cybersecurity so that we're not re-victimizing companies once they've had a breach or, God forbid, have been attacked by a nation state. So going forward, I think we're looking for a busy summer and fall on cybersecurity. The rhetoric that we heard at the DHS Cyber Summit was certainly bracing in terms of the chance that there could be a serious cyber event that folks are worried about. But on a more mundane level, there's a lot of regulatory activity and government activity that folks need to be paying attention to. We're certainly going to be paying attention to it. All right. Well, that does it for this podcast on cybersecurity and connected tech. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us. We look forward to future podcasts addressing cybersecurity issues that affect the tech sector and critical infrastructure. And since we're lawyers, we have a quick disclaimer. The material contained in this podcast has been gathered by Wiley Ryan for informational purposes only, is not intended to be, and is not considered to be legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create, and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from legal counsel. Thanks very much.